the faith, in our faith, in the word of God, because faith is is built up, comes and it's built up in the word, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Not just to save us, but to grow. So our faith will become stronger the more we know of God's word, the more we understand who God is and what he's doing, what his will is for us, right? So I think this is when the exhortation to stand firm in the faith is to know God's word well. All these have a commonality of being of being of someone who's in battle, right? And so if the first one refers to kind of the watchman or the guard, this one refers to knowing what the rules of engagement are. To, to know why you're in a war to start with. To know what's going on. That's what our faith teaches us. That's what the Word of God teaches us, right? So it's not enough to be watchful if you don't know who the enemy is, if you don't know their tactics, if you don't know what weapons you have, what recourses you have to fight, right? So uh, that, that it just is, I think, the, the next thing you would expect Paul to list. We have to have a firm grasp of the Bible if we're going to wage a successful campaign in this life. Someone said that we can't consider every doctrine an open question. I think that's, that's it's a good thing to think about. You know, there are those who think, and I think they've been taught this, and because the Bible is not always easy to to understand if you just read it like a devotional every day, you're not going to ever stand, understand the Bible really. But <clears throat> so people say that they get it's an excuse, you know. The Bible is very hard to understand, so you can't ever know anything for sure. Because they don't know anything. But that's a sign of somebody who doesn't know God's word and never been careful to understand it. Every doctrine is not an open question. There are some things that are difficult. There are some things that good people disagree on. You know, we, we understand that. None of us understand everything. But from early on, the church has been very careful to list doctrines that are important and which there can be no uh, disagreement on There's, that, that are fundamental to your salvation and uh, they understand that you cannot just dismiss everything as you know we're not sure there are many things in the scripture that we can be very sure about certainly I think we can add to that list things that are necessary for effective Christian service, things that bring joy and fulfillment in our life. You know, the Bible teaches us clearly, we call that the plenary, the clear teaching of God's Word. It can be understood. It is, But yeah, it's God's Word, so we, we're not surprised that there are things that take years to grasp, years to understand that, you know, because it's not all just simplistic, but there are most things in Scripture aren't that difficult if we have an attitude that uh, it's God's infallible word and we will accept it no matter what it teaches. Because the doctrine of Scripture, that is the teaching of Scripture, is to get us to a point of effectiveness in this battle. To be effective both in the battle without ourselves and to be effective in the battle within ourselves, right? As we grow and as we Learn to love Christ. <laughs> understanding the sovereignty of God, I think, is a prime example. As we come to understand the sovereignty of God, this begins to help us 
live lives that are full of faith. How can your faith not be stronger as you understand that God is sovereign and not as some teach that God is, you know, he created us just to see what we're going to do and he really doesn't know what we're going to do every day. He doesn't know where it's all going to end up. And he's, it's kind of like a big divine experiment. Well, that person can't have any real faith because God is learning as he goes and there's plenty of people who believe that. So be strong in the faith. That, so to be effective, you've got to understand God's word. Let's just look at some verses that talk about this. Uh, um, 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God might be confident and equipped for every good work. It doesn't really use the warfare analogy, but, but not too, it's, it's a job to be done, and if you don't, if you're not strong in the faith, you won't do your job well. And that's true of all of us. So, you know, it says man of God. It doesn't mean that, it, that applies to all of us, man, woman, and child. Being involved in the battle and competent in scriptures is not an elective. Like you go to college and you, you take electives. If you're a Christian, the Bible's not an elective. And, and I think some Christians act like that. It's like, yeah, I go to church, maybe. If I don't go to church, I do the best I can. They act like God doesn't care whether you study God's word in a, in a systematic and careful way. And if you're taught, you know. But no, you, because you can't do your job without this training. It is what each of us have been called to do. And if we follow the problems because we have not been trained, we are dishonoring the Lord if we have deliberately forego the training. And I'm not saying that we all have to be doctrinal geniuses, giants, but we have to be, we have all been called to be servants of the Lord, and if you don't know what your master wants, and what his will is, how can you serve the Lord? And that's what happens. So many churches are full of people who don't know what God has said, but they say, we, we follow Jesus. Well, and I, I've seen many examples of people who say that, and they don't have any clues what Jesus ever taught. They, they might know a few things here and there. You can't be a part-time reservist. Now, I was thinking about, uh, you know, uh, Mason, when I said that, I guess by definition, a reservist is part-time, you know. But, you, but, but we're not called to be Christians sometime. You know, I... I don't know how many of you have heard of that uh, this, uh, new country, I guess it's kind of new country uh, singer, a jelly roll. Uh, just a complete waste of time as far as I'm concerned, but he's got a song about I don't um, pray, I don't ask God for much. I, I forget the, there's a, uh, I just look at that this Yeah, I don't talk to God so I need a favor more or less and God I need a favor. That's kind of how the chorus goes, you know. And it's just a song about how bad he is, really. But yet he needs, but yet he's hoping God's going to grant a favor. But that's part, that's, that's, well, that's, that's really not Christianity at all, but that's how a lot of people treat, they think that I can be a Christian when I'm in trouble, when I need something, or now and then, you know, 
No, we, we've been calling, it's a full-time thing because it is the way of life. It is why God created us. It's not a, another religion. And, and so if people got to stop thinking about Christianity as a religion that I decide to convert to for whatever reason. It is God getting hold of you and shaking you to your very foundation that you would repent of your sin. He gives you his spirit and all the great things that come with that. But now we know what life is about. We know the true God. We're not just playing church. We're not part-time Christians. And so obscuring sound doctrine is an effective way Satan has to confuse and weaken us. 1 Corinthians 3.18 Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age. Let's just read this black culture. There are a lot of people who think that you know, they, they, they know all about the, the latest songs and the latest this and the latest that. And they think that they know, that, that they're smart. What does Paul say about that? They think they're wise in this age. Let him become a fool, that he may become wise. I'm not saying it's wrong to know about things, but if you don't know the word of God well, it doesn't matter what else you know. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And oh, is there going to be a lot of people who, uh, that we know who are going to face the Lord and everything, how smart they thought they were, how beautiful they looked, how much money they had is all going to be gone because they have uh, been duped by the craftiness of this world. Second Thessalonians 2.14 To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ so then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now, this, interestingly enough, is the Catholics take this passage and say all the stuff they've added to Christianity, it, it, that's just traditions. And you see, Paul said there were traditions. And well, what are they? Well, nobody knows, and, and nobody knew about it in the early church. That, they use this verse completely contrary to what Paul is talking about here. Paul is merely saying that you have been taught, you know, I came and I preached to you. It wasn't all written down in the Word yet, but when I preached to you those things, you take that to be serious uh, as the Word of God, as you do the things that have, that the canon that has been revealed to this point. That's all that's saying, but, but he's saying you take that uh, you stand firm in that. that. That's standing firm in the faith. You learn what God has to say. So no matter where our field of study and interests lie, you know, many of you have gone to school or in some sort of training to learn for a job or, or some, something like that, or you have hobbies and you've spent many, you know, years learning how to uh to do a certain thing, that's all well and good. But only a firm grasp of the word will allow you to understand anything properly. So you can do whatever it is you're doing, but without the word of God to guide you, you will use that in a completely wrong way or never really appreciate it. And that's why Satan and the world have no use for the Bible to be taught to our children, to be taught in the schools, 
They don't care what else is taught. They don't care if the Quran is taught in a lot of cases, whatever, because they can make that mean whatever they want to, but they know that the word of God uh, does, it, it does something that they can't combat. Paul says this over and over again. There's not one thing or one subject in this life that we are not to judge by God's truth and standard. And we will glorify God as we become proficient in different areas, in our jobs or our hobbies, our interests, whatever, but only as the Word of God guides us to use these things properly. And I think about you think a, a doctor who's gone to years, study doctor, and he might be very gifted in what he does, but if he's not a believer, he doesn't uh, understand where that knowledge comes from, what the knowledge is. Uh, it's therefore, he doesn't know how to glorify God in it. So it'll only be served to condemn him in the day he stands before the Lord. Because he has seen the, the glory of God and not he suppressed that knowledge, as Romans 1 says. So he says, stand firm in the faith. Secondly, act like men. And I wrote here, you know, God, uh, I meant to, sorry, godly men, not macho men. <clears throat> And I, because I, I think, well, we have to kind of unpack this a little bit. Because if you don't understand what a godly man is, uh, you know, you can say, act like a man. And if you, your idea of a man is some, uh, you know, ogre or drunk, uh, careless person who doesn't know how to show his feelings or communicate, whatever, you know, you're not going to have any idea what's being said here. We're talking about act like godly men. That's what Paul wants us to understand, and we'll, I think as we go through this, you'll see that this can apply to all of us, man, woman, or child. But <clears throat> a lot of men act like children, or they act like animals. You see a lot of men out there today who have completely given up being any kind of a, 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 a example to anybody else. They only live for themselves. They abuse the weaker. You know, they're not godly. Anyway. They think that life is just about getting drunk. Or having a good time, and that we don't want to emulate that. Some uh, men think that all that matters is money and power. So, what is a Christian man that we might act like that? And also, this isn't saying that acting like a man is more desirable than acting like a woman. When he, when he says this, it's not saying that uh, everybody, man, woman, and child, is to act like a man. No. We're there's something about men as far as their strength and leadership. And again, I think if you keep in mind the, the idea of warfare, you want to act like a, a, a leader. You want to act like someone who is strong. In fact, I, I don't, I think it's very possible that when, that the next phrase really goes along with this one. So he's saying, act like men, be strong. And that's what men do, you know. Men, are the strong ones. They're supposed to be the strong ones, the ones who protect, right? So, act, again, in Christian welfare, man up. I think is what Paul is saying. Take this seriously. Do what is necessary. And you can see how a woman can certainly, in her role, understand this as well. It's time, another way of looking at this is to be an adult, to be mature. To recognize the danger here. I think all these things are involved. 
proper adulthood is to be able to, to uh, not need to be babysat. You know, if you tell your child, you know, or your child, but you mean your teenager, you know, man up, you're, what you're saying is you shouldn't need someone to babysit you. You take care of this yourself. You do what is right. And, and as a Christian, that should be our goal to be at that place where we don't need somebody always telling us what to do. Or we don't, you know, accountability is great, but the, if you don't need accountability in something, then you really reach a, a, a a, uh, a place of maturity. I, I don't need someone to watch. I can do what's right on my own, right? That's kind of what we're after, I hope. Uh, elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 14, 20, he says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil. We don't need to know about all the evil out there. What we need to know is God's word. He says, in your thinking, be mature. It's not hard to see this in light of chapters 11 through 14 of, of 1 Corinthians. Uh, there was a role reversal going on in Corinth to some degree, right? We saw in chapter 11 that the, uh, women had, uh, in, some of the women in, had kind of usurped their, uh, the authority that they were to be under. They were not uh, presenting themselves in a way that understood their, their submission to them to the men, to their husbands. So there was that going on. Um, we saw that in uh, chapter 7 as well. They were casting, not only casting off symbols of authority, uh, but they, they, the, the women and the men had no uh, real concept about how what marriage was about, how it was supposed to be the roles of each one. The men were certainly re- relinquishing their roles and their responsibilities. And so I think Paul is challenging all of us to some degree, but the men especially, because again, you gotta get the leadership right or the rest of it's gonna collapse. To assume their God-given responsibilities, to assume the leadership in the church and in their homes. You know, and how, how can the home be where, what it should be if there's no leader or if there's the wrong kind of leadership? Recently I've told a couple of different people who are going to churches with women pastors that we wouldn't consider that to even be a New Testament church, a legitimate New Testament church. Because it's, 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 the leadership is, is completely wrong. So we could add to this application that we need to be careful of always being silly or joking, seldom serious. But there's a lot of ways to think about this. Because, again, if you think about it as maturity, primarily, uh, you know, there's just no end to the applications, because what do you see with men today? They're the silly ones. They're the ones that don't have the responsibility. It seems like the wives have to always be the ones to control the spending, or the, or the ones to, uh, to do things around the house, because they're too busy playing. And that's not right. And it's no better in the church. Because the, the only uh, excuse of having a woman pastor, a woman elder, is there's no men to do it. Well, then, 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 then disband. But it's because the men don't step up often. And then that's all, and that's a product of our age, I think, more so than anything, because it hasn't always been that way. But, you know, it's a product of the feminist movement, it's a product of, uh, of, of this constant attack of the patriarchy, uh, of this idea that men are the leaders, women are able to do everything that men do, and all this is completely unbiblical. And, 
and, and, is, and it, part of it's because men have abused their roles and, and women have pushed back, but that doesn't mean that we throw out the Bible and do things a different way, which unfortunately has happened a lot. But we need to acknowledge, men especially acknowledge, if you your idea of manhood is to be silly all the time and not take responsibility, to uh, to go out and drink all the time or whatever it is you're doing, and it, it, it's like telling your, your your teenage boys, well, boys will be boys, and you just be a child now. You'll be an adult later on. No, you train your children to, to be adults as soon as they can. Because life is not about having just, just having fun all the time. It doesn't mean they can't have fun. But there's responsibility that, that we are to take on, and that's good. That's, that's fulfilling. And certainly as Christians and Christian men, even more so. Men can be humorous and silly and have fun and joke. If you know me at all, you know that i got no problem with that kind of stuff. But an adult knows when it's time to be serious and to take life seriously. And there's a time, as, as Ecclesiastes says, there's a time to laugh. There's a time we know laughter is completely inappropriate. And so we hear that today. Never grow up. You know, you know don't, don't ever grow up. Never stop being a kid. Well, we, we understand the spirit of that. There's a sense in which you, you can lose your, 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 your sense of fun and, and adventure, you know, becoming an adult. But we understand that that has been gone, been taken way overboard. And people don't want to ever become adults. It's one thing to never lose your sense of humor, but too many adults today refuse to be responsible. And that can easily carry over into our spiritual lives. Just like men have the role to lead and protect, so spiritually we have roles to play. And we must embrace them and honor them. We're we not here to play all the time. I think that's certainly what Paul is saying. Another way we see this fail is that men give leadership to their wives and they just think it's their, 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 it's their job to be the fun one in the family and to drink and to play and to carry on and, and to let the wives do the discipline of the children and so forth. But that's not what, what the, uh, being a Christian man is. We're to be responsible, careful leaders, protective, serious, and able to be communicated with. And your wife shouldn't be the only one concerned about bills and health and, and all those things. And, you know, I say some of this tongue-in-cheek, but we know that what, it, it can go way too far in some of these things. Ephesians 4.13 says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. That, that's our goal. And again, it's not... A gender thing, it's men and women. We want to be mature to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, to Christ. And so I think it's a good analogy. What we're saying here is not that we can't have fun or, or, or anything like that. But a child is weak by, by definition. A child doesn't know that much by definition. A child needs help. He needs care. He needs protection. 
And that's what we're talking about. If you don't know God's word well, and if you haven't matured to that, you are like a spiritual child. And that's going to lead to danger and problems. That's really what Paul is saying here, I think. So I think we see that when in the next phrase where he says to be strong. I think that's that's kind of what he's talking about here. And we have to be careful because we can easily start to see this as being told to muster up courage and be strong in the flesh, to never be humble, just to dominate everything. He's not saying be some sort of macho man where you, know, you can't be told anything. I call that Billy Sundayism. I don't know how many of you ever heard of Billy Sunday. A couple of you, not too many. There's being raised in fundamentalism, uh, his, he was quoted all the time. He was an evangelist, if I can call him that, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. He used to go around and he would just basically speak to men. You need to start acting like a man. We're, you know, he was talking about you know, being in warfare, so it's time for you to man up. And, of course, you know, that meant quit drinking, quit smoking, you know. It was all about don't do this, start doing this, be strong. But it was it was all anything any lost person could do. Just you need to man up, you need to be strong, you need to say no, and it didn't speak to the heart. And I think that's why fundamentalism kind of glommed onto it because that's if they have an issue, is that they don't speak to the heart. They it's about outward conformity, about being strong. And that's not what Paul is saying here, although there's a element of that, men are to be able to, to be strong and to, to, to be committed and, and, and so forth as part of being a man. That's not what he's talking about here. We need to submit. How, do, how are you strong? Well, the, the word strong there is actually in the, the uh, passive form. It is to be strengthened, you might say. It's something that's being done to you. How are we strong in the Lord? By being weak. By being submissive to Christ. There's a, there's a bit of a contradiction, I said contradiction, of oxymoron here. We need to submit to Christ and to his commands, and then we can be strong in the Lord. He's not saying be strong in the flesh. If you're strong in the flesh, fine, but a lot of guys aren't that strong in the flesh. I don't, you know, I'm not particularly strong in the flesh compared to a lot of guys. But the, the point is to be strong in, the, in, in Christ. And so it's not about walking through life acting tough, Full of self-assurance. That, that's neither here nor there. It's, it's being confident in the Lord, doing His will, not my own will. That's how I'm strong. And the more I understand my weakness and the Lord's strength, I become stronger. So the, I become stronger the more I understand how weak I am, right? Because I have faith. I, I trust in someone stronger than myself. That's why I spend so much time. Teach about God's sovereignty because that's the only way we really ever appreciate the Lord. So, what makes you your uh, you the best husband or father? Well, by loving your family so much as you do whatever's best for them. The best that we can do for Christ is to demonstrate His strength, not our strength. That's why uh, Paul it says in Second uh, Corinthians chapter twelve. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in, we could say, your weakness. Therefore, I will boast, Paul says, all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
The more I trust the Lord, the less I trust my own wisdom. The more I'm able to say, you know what, I'm going to accept whatever happens, because I know the Lord's in control, the more we'll be able to serve him and have a good testimony. So Paul's not contradicting himself. He's showing us where true strength comes from and what it will look like in our lives. And so being a man isn't going around bullying people or pushing yourself on people, dominating your home, thinking you've got to tell everybody what to do. It's, it's loving them in Christ and doing whatever is best for them, but seeing to it that Christ is honored. It is, not, it is being uh, humble, not arrogant. So Paul says, therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. It's not, again, a contradiction. He's telling that those whose whose word we are to stand in, if you think you stand, if you think you're so tough, beware. Because the only one who's strong is the one who is submissive to the Lord. And so instead, think of godly manliness not as being intimidating or physically strong, arrogant, certainly not, always having to be the leader. Those things, uh, maybe, maybe, and sometimes they shouldn't be. It's not, not all that's good. It's not about, that's not what being a man, a, a, a Christian man is all about. Think of it more like 1 Corinthians 9.25. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we do it an imperishable wreath. Learn to control yourself with the things of Christ. That was one of the things Billy Sunday used to say. you, you got to control yourself. Well, you, you're right, but it begins in the heart. What, what I, well, I control myself because I love the Lord, and I, I don't, and I trust in Him, and I know God's Word. It's not something that I just mu- have to muster up. Because if it's up to me, none of us can control ourselves. We do it in the flesh. So we learn to control ourselves for the things of Christ. We let God worry about controlling everything else. What makes a godly man manly is self-control and humility so that he will serve the Lord no matter what everybody else is doing. I mean, that's when he says, be, be, uh, act like a man and be strong. If the rest of the world goes to hell, you commit yourself to Christ. More than anything, I want to see the men of this church determined to follow the Lord no matter what your wife might do. Now, Lord willing, we, our wives are on board with all this too, but women or men, are, are you going to be faithful to the Lord no matter what your spouse does? You know, a woman's not off the hook because her husband's ungodly, so I've got to be submissive to my husband, so I'm just going to let him run things. No, you, you're committed to Christ. Don't let Somebody else drag you down. That's what being strong in the Lord is all about. So the Lord doesn't need stubborn mules to serve him. Uh, he, he needs someone who is constantly seeking him, who is, is obedient and submissive to him. He needs children who want to please him more than anything. So being manly is standing up to danger. It's leading. It's fighting. But it's making sure that it's in obedience to Christ, not pushing your own agenda. So I appreciate our men. They work hard to take care of their families. That's how it should be. 
But what is really impressive is a man will put the Lord first in all things, uh, even ahead of their families. Because he knows that the best thing for his family is that they know Christ. They're strong in the Lord before they're strong in anything else. And, and again, be careful because it's so, it's because our, it pleases the flesh. We, we love to practice things. We, we might be very good in some sport, some hobby, something like that. And we just give ourselves to that. And, but we don't give ourselves to being strong in Christ. And that's just dishonoring to him. And so in verse 14, and with this we'll close, let all, let all that you do be done in love. And I think that has to go with this too. In other words, if you say, what is it to be a Christian man? Everything you do should be done in love. For the good of those that you perhaps are the leader of. Perhaps he's anticipating the, the tendency of, of men to bully, to push themselves, to be hard. And it reminds us to, to, that love is the only way the law is fulfilled. Being crusty, militant, being hard, uh, emotionally hard, isn't manly. It might be what men does do, but it's not being a Christian man. It's not being spiritually mature. Doing all things out of love for Christ and others keeps us from putting ourselves at the center of all things. So, so don't ever think that, well, if I'm a man, I'm going to have to be a little crusty. I'm going to have to use foul language now and then. i got to... Don't want to be too soft. Can't go to church too much. Church are for women. You know all the ways that that we've made being a man in this culture. No. Don't be abusive. Husbands who are abusive, who think they, they treat people like everything revolves around them, is not being a man. Not being a godly man. It's being uh, uh, after Adam. You just demonstrate that you love yourself more than anything else. And so get the motivation right here in verse 14, and it'll make perfect sense of how of what being a godly man is all about. A godly man is useful. He's fun to be around. He's pleasant, at least, to be around. You, know, you might not you know, be able to tell a joke or be funny, but you're pleasant to be around, right? You're not somebody that people cringe when they see you coming. Can you imagine being a husband and a father and coming home and when your family sees you driving to the, um, uh, the, the driving to a drive, drive up in the driveway, they, they start to cringe and, and they get tense. Can you imagine that? And you know, that happens all over the world. But if that's how it is, if, if your wife and your children are scared of you, you're not being a man, a godly man. That's not what Paul is talking about. So it's all. This is all about becoming Christ-like and humble students of the Word, because you can't be strong in the Lord if you don't know the Word of God. It's not about becoming macho, arrogant, pushy. You know, if, if you need to read First Corinthians thirteen every week, do so. The, 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 the chapter of, of love, what love's all about. Clearly, the Corinthians weren't doing everything in love. And as I think back over this letter, it becomes clear that they had members uh, of this the church, but what they were like. That they did not know what it is to love. If they had had men who loved their families 
people who love the Lord, this letter would have never been written. Because you think about all the things that Paul's addressed, they weren't doing any of this. Many of them weren't anyway. And so, as I close, I would remind you, women, I think we've said enough that you can see how this applies, even as you are submissive to your husbands. I, you know, we don't tell you, be like men, but to be firm in the faith, to stand in the faith, and to be strong in the Lord. And in that sense, embrace your duty before Christ. And you, and of course, you know, no one has a has stronger fortitude than women. That's not the issue. But you, sometimes we've got to be reminded uh, that that's our duty, to be strong in the Lord. And I hope that uh, these are the goals that we will take seriously moving forward. Any questions or comments as we close? Good, some good words to send us off to this week. We'll have a good week. You're dismissed.